Hello, welcome back to the Keys Coach podcast. I'm Adam and this is the podcast where I sit down with piano, keys and synth players and talk about their life in music. Today's guest is the amazing Mitch Jones. He's a Grammy-nominated musical director, keys player, songwriter and producer. He has played with so many different people including Ed Sheeran, Jesse Ware and Mahalia. As a writer, he's written with people like Asher Gold, Sophie and the Giants and Purple Disco Machine, amongst many others. He's also an all-round lovely guy, and this interview is jam-packed with so much advice for anyone looking to enter the music industry as a keys player, an MD or producer. I recorded this interview with Mitch back in July while he was taking some time out with family, and it had been a while since I caught up with him, so it was lovely to sit down and hear about all of the amazing stuff he's been up to. Before we dive into the conversation, if you're looking to level up your keys playing and are interested in hearing more about the keys coach as we continue to grow, I've put a link to sign up to our waitlist in the episode description. This will mean you'll be the first to know as soon as content is released. We've got lots of exciting plans for the future, so do go ahead and sign up. Okay, let's get to it. Here is the conversation I had with the wonderful Mitch Jones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mitch. It's great to see you. Where, whereabouts are you today? I'm actually back in Wales, man. I'm I'm back at the the family home. Summer holidays kicked in, so I'm uh, I'm chasing my childcare around the oh, around no. the country and trying to squeeze work in. But um, yeah, no, it's it's all good. I literally got back late last night, so just back with the fam. And you've got two two kids now, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Got a, a boy and a girl. So yeah, three and one. So yeah, I'm definitely using grandparents wherever possible to to keep yeah. the, the plate spinning how does that how does that work on like a day-to-day kind of a thing when you're producing and managing childcare around writing and all the amazing stuff you do yeah you know what man I, I have I mean part of the reason why I sort of migrated slowly away from kind of touring was actually to try and give myself that um like flexibility I guess you know mm. and, and the good thing about studios is that you know you can kind of set your hours really so for me you know, I'll um, I'll just get in early. You know, and 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 I'm outside of London now, but um, you know, I, I just say to artists, you know, get to me as early as you'd like to, and I tend to rap around four, half four. You know, nice. and it's funny, like you know, there was a point in my career where I was kind of it's before I had kids, I guess, where I kind of was of that opinion of, oh, you know, people will kind of judge you as sort of not being committed by you know because music is like oh well music should be 24 hours you should be in the studio mm. you know you have these sto- stories of oh we were in the studio at three in the morning and all this it's like yeah you know what like that's not me anymore you know and I think setting that boundary actually is um it's quite good I think and it, and it kind of works in the room as well sometimes you know and, and 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 then the flip of that is like if I say that to an artist and and and, and they do question that then I probably shouldn't be working with that artist you know <laughs> No, so that's a good way uh, of being, yeah. Yeah, so just set kind of set set the boundaries, and then yeah, and get I'm try and be home by five to you know take over with all the the real crazy stuff. Works the easy bit for me. It's when I get home and I'm wrestling kids. <laughs> so how did that how did that work growing up in Wales? Then when did when did music was we like in a musical house? Was it when did when did music come in for you? Yeah, yeah, you know what? So so my dad uh, played the piano. In fact, the the piano that I've learned on is. It's there in the, oh, in the corner, very nice. just at the back. Yeah, obviously you won't see that because this is an audio thing. But um, yeah, the, um, my dad was a pianist, is a pianist. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those where you know naturally my brother learned, and then I wanted to do everything my brother did because he was an older brother, and I kind of just took to it. Um, and then actually went up to to Cheatham's up in Manchester then when I was twelve, thirteen, okay. doing the classical piano thing. Um, then switched to to jazz in sixth form and then um and then down to london to trinity there obviously where i met you and and, and yeah and studied the the jazz degree there amazing so, yeah so did you start off very much in the classical world and then transition or were you doing i mean what was kind of like the music you were playing the whole time yeah you know so so early doors it was yeah it was i guess the the thing we briefly talked about you know at the beginning of the call but you know doing the the grades and, and the classical route and and um you know, I kind of only really got introduced to jazz maybe when I was sort of maybe 14, 15. I remember like a, a good friend of mine who's still a really great friend of mine, um, a guy called Vijay Prakash, who's an ma- amazing trombone player. Um, he kind of talked me into like just covering piano on this like 
combo like this this ensemble thing um with steve berry who's an amazing amazing teacher um and um i'd never done anything like this before so i was i was kind of bricking it but um i'll never forget like the first thing we played we we played um that milestone milestones right. you know so i just had to do like a simple triad you know which yeah. for a you know a classical pianist you know was probably just about manageable for me and i'll never forget that feeling actually it was the first time i think i'd ever made music like in a proper in a band like played with yeah. a drummer and a bass player and, and that there was changes things for people doesn't it you know as soon as you play um, with another musician it's like wow there's mo- so much more to this than i thought it's mad because i can i still I, I remember the the piece of music that we played you know and i and i actually remember it having a real effect on me and and i guess i guess you know that was maybe it that was kind of the bug you know because it's hard as a classical pianist you know yeah. We, we by nature are sort of quite lonely musicians, really, you know, uh, even, uh, even other instrumentalists for their exams get to get together with an accompanist. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of, that's how it unfolds. And so, so they're, they're, they're having that experience of, you know, playing with other musicians just naturally. And, and that's kind of the pathway. But for us, you know, I, you, I'd met pianists at, at, at Chet's, you know, who'd kind of, you know, they were unbelievable, like these absolute prodigies. But like, it's almost like their sense of time was like their own sense of time. If you tried to put them with somebody else, <laughs> they'd play, but it'd be as, as if the other person wasn't yeah. even there. It's like, oh, whoa, like you really can't yeah. even grasp the idea of of creating collaboratively. So, so yeah, for me, I, I loved it and, and it kind of changed the game, I suppose. And then I sort of took on lessons as like a second study. And then I think I did like a joint first study and then ended up first study jazz. And then obviously it was, it was going to be jazz for the degree then. So that must've been quite a transition going from reading everything on the page to like suddenly making up what you're going to play. That must've been yeah. quite an interesting transition. Yeah. You know what it was. And, and, and I guess weirdly, even as a classical pianist, like I was never a great reader. I'm not a great reader. And it's always been sort of, you know, the thing that I've, I've sort of, found more difficult or has just you know not been my strong suit um so i think even as a classical pianist I, I was sort of relying on my ears in terms of you know just just kind of to guide me i guess when i was getting something wrong or you know or, or when i was trying to get something together um so i think then when i did start playing jazz i kind of probably noticed that this sort of attribute that was helping me to a point as a classical pianist really really maybe accelerated um, or, you know, it kind of, it was an attribute that flourished in that genre. So like, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is, this is really helping me now. And this, I can, I can use this to my advantage far more than I even could as a, you know, as a classical pianist. And it gave me a freedom that, um, you know, that obviously I, I, I didn't get when I was trying to get dots off a page. I mean, I still love classical music and I still love to play classical music. Um, but um, yeah, it just, it just kind of happened that, you know that kind of took off I guess you still play you still play classical piano now is that something you well when you get the chance I, I suppose yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I, I, do, I do just just for pleasure yeah like I've only sort of recently gone back to it really we've kind of moved moved house a year ago and I've finally got um, a piano in the house now and um, nice. yeah if ever I've got the house to myself I'll always just just dig out the old like Beethoven sonatas or something and just shame myself at, at <laughs> how terrible I am 20 years after you know how my 13 year old self would have probably yeah. kicked kicked my ass but um, <laughs> um but yeah yeah it's, it's it's just for my soul really it's yeah but you know I, I hope to I hope to have more time to do it man because yeah it just is yeah yeah I how did it. you how did you find how did you find studying music at uni what was that process like for you obviously like moving you so you moved where, whereabouts in Wales did you say you were sorry I missed that yeah, no, so, well, near Swansea, basically, near about Swansea, 20 minutes okay. out of Swansea, yeah, and then, yeah, and then up in Manchester for about five years, and then, yeah, and then degree down in London. I, I mean, I, I really loved it, like, you know, I, I was just, I think a lot of it is, well, not not fortune, but I guess, I think you, your enjoyment sometimes of, of institutions can often be dictated by, you know, even like your friendship group. Yeah, you know, and it was the same with 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 Chet's actually up in Manchester. I was just felt quite lucky that I found like a really good set of mates. So we just had a really great time. Like I I just had a laugh and like in and and played loads of music like with my mates. So it was just 
it was just fortunate in that sense, you know. And and similarly, you know, at Trinity was kind of lucky to, you know, meet. We were really lucky. We had a really lovely year group with of, of great players and 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 lovely people. Um, so yeah, you know, we just had a laugh and 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 like and I was lucky, like Simon Purcell who was the run the course back then. I don't think he um, is still running the course now, but um, was just yeah, an amazing, amazing, amazing mentor and and just tutor. You know, in in the sense of actually being a one to one tutor and and just yeah, he he just was he was just like a big inspiration mm. for me and, and really kind of helped guide me through it because you know I was kind of you know having fun a little bit too much as well you know and and like was you know enjoying being in London for the you know as a 18 21 year old just so yeah he was almost like he really kind of yeah without Simon on the course I think it wouldn't have been a you know wouldn't have been the same for me and and you know and I don't know if I'd even be doing what I'm doing now you know without that so I'm I guess I was just fortunate to have a great head of the course steering the ship and just a really good set of mates so you know with that I was I was good to go you know. Music's such a social thing isn't it every aspect of it I think if you you know because you spend so much time with people that you're playing with or working with that it's it's such a it's so important to the, the, the whole social side of it as well, isn't it? You know, exactly. That's it, man. You know, once we got to second year, you know, we moved into a into a into a flat together, and you know, we were there for the next three years. You know, and that flat was mm. just like, you know, lots of having fun, but it was you know, music and listening to things and and checking out things, and yeah, yeah, it was just like a yeah, just an amazing environment, I guess, to to kind of go through those years you know and start to kind of dip your toe in the water of like gigging and getting out there and you know working and and, and doing shows and things so, yeah, what kind was, of what kind of gigs were you doing like when you left college and all that kind of thing what how did that whole period of your life looked so you know what it was a bit of a it was a bit of a tough time actually really um I didn't really know what I wanted to do um I was kind of feeling a little bit disillusioned in terms of um you know what potentially um you know, if if I was going to go hardline down the down the sort of jazz route, um, in terms of, you know, j- just I guess the like financial scarcity and and also just like maybe the 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 demands I guess to avoid that financial scarcity. You know, so I I love playing, but I don't know if I want to do nine gigs a week. You know, because like I want to I want to hang out too, and I want to I want to. Um, so I think. Um, I, I kind of was already sort of stepping away from that a little bit, I guess. Um, I was just kind of doing function gigs, you know. I was just trying to hustle to get a functions on the weekend. You know, if I was, like, getting a 250-quid function on a Saturday, I'd, I'd feel like I'd done all right, you know. So, mm. um, and, yeah, when I look back, I was kind of a bit, not lost, but I guess I was still figuring things out, you know. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, and 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 you know, I'd left college and I actually left London at that point as well. I moved down to um, down to Surrey, just like on the sort of outskirts, because I was yeah. scared that if I moved too far, that, that I'd stop getting called full stop, you know. Um, but then kind of a few different projects, a kind of chance meeting with a, with a um, it was actually a bass player who linked me up with an MD who was super busy. Um, then kind of sort of unlocked the 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 next the next sort of stage of my career, I guess, which was then going into the kind of doing more of the pop thing. But in that interim period, yeah, I was kind of yeah, just just figuring it out, I guess. You know, you have to do that, I suppose. When I, it's funny because like when you at the time it feels different, but you know, when I look back, you know, there was a kind of at least a a period of two or three years where I was kind of doing bits of teaching to make ends meet, you know, doing whatever kind of um, functions I could do and, and and just trying to keep my head above the water, really, and figure out what it was I wanted to, like, do, you know, long term. I was still, like, in my early 20s. Mm. I think it's important to have, weirdly, as sort of uncomfortable it can maybe feel at the time, it can be really important to have that time to actually work out what you do want to do because you've kind of gone through the whole classical thing, you've done the whole jazz thing. It's like, well, actually, what do I want to do with all these skills? I've learned. Exactly. So, what did what did that next phase look like for you? So, you said you met this MD. Do you want to? I mean, what? How? Where did that lead to? Yeah. So it was funny, really, because it's like I always look at things, and and there's there's always an interesting like lineage between, you know, it, how how 
like how tenuous it can seem sometimes and like without that like none of that would have happened you know and and so essentially i, I like i i trace it back to like a, a mate of mine jules heppel who i think is now um like running things down at Guildhall, like really good mate. Like we went, we were at college at the same time, amazing engineer, like super, um, super lovely dude. Um, uh, he linked me up with uh, Dennis Rollins and I started doing his band when I was probably still at college. Um, the amazing uh, trombonist, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, again, like when I look back, you know, the I met some, he always had like, really great players in his band so it's like i can't remember what the quote is of, of saying like you know always be always be the worst player in the band you know and like there's so much yeah. truth in that and like that was that was where i was at you know for like two years and it was such a you know a, an amazing learning curve to play with those guys who are like absolute like bosses you know it was like alex bonfanti on bass you know, um, Jack Pollitt and on drums, you know, these guys are like, they're absolute monsters, you know? Um, so it was really, it was great education. But after doing Dennis's band, I got linked up with this um, soul singer called Ola Onabule, who's an amazing, amazing, amazing singer, um, like incredible artist. Like the music is so wicked. A real roast actually, because he comes from a very sort of non um uh what's the word it, it, he it, his music is just purely from his heart and soul and from his ears you know he's not kind of he's not writing things because it's a 251 and because like he wants to you know go to the relative minor as we kind of discussed it's so like from a person that's kind of come from that route it was it was sort of some of the harmony was obscure i mean it in terms of um what's the word i'm looking for uh I can't think of it. Trying but, to transcribe it or trying to work well, out the charts? Well, it's or... just from, from like, a, from the perspective of, um, like, academically, it, it was, you know, it didn't make sense, right, you know, in okay. terms of, like, in inverted commas, you know. Um, so, so you know, to sort of assimilate that information is sometimes harder. You know, it's a lot easier to look at something and go, oh, yeah, that just goes there and then it does that and then it goes around the houses and then it comes back there again, yeah. bang. But this was, like, it was it was just so unique and so interesting and so beautiful. Um, but um, it was, it was a roast, but again, top musicians. And I remember once we had a gig at the six or six and um, I thought that, cause Phil Mulford used to dep on it. And I think still does do bits with Ollie. Again, always has amazing bands. And I remember being like, Oh man, you know, like I was, you know, still in my early twenties at the time being like, Oh, you know, Phil's a, Phil's a real guy. Like he's, you know, he's an absolute monster. I really want to, do this this gig i'm really excited i want to try and yeah. make a good impression on on phil and and you know get you know see what that can do from 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 my you know um for my career or whatever and um and i got there and it wasn't phil and i remember being like ah that's a shame i was kind of really excited about you know this being being phil on this um and it was a, a bass player called james away who i didn't know but is an absolute monster, monster bass player. Like, and again, lovely, lovely dude. And um, and he essentially um linked me up then with a with an MD called Kojo Samuel, who he was working with loads. Um, and Kojo's done frigging literally everything, you know. He's he, from yeah, he's one of the he's one of the guys in this country. Um and has yeah worked with anybody and everybody or like to the absolute highest level and it's just yeah it's just an one of the best um and luckily James sort of put me on his radar you know um and then did a couple of auditions actually didn't get you know a couple of them to the point where I was actually starting to become a little bit disillusioned with that you know um and then fortunately he kind of then just called me for something because he was like, this is not an audition situation. He was like, I've kind of seen what you can do on the other auditions, but it like from whether it's from the artist or whatever, he was like, it wasn't maybe right. But um, then he kind of linked me up with, with what was the Jesse Ware gig then when going into a second album, um, which at the time, you know, it was, uh, it was like a really exciting time for Jesse. Her first album had like gone crazy and like, you know, she'd been nominated. I can't think she don't know if she won the Mercury Award. And like it was just like that first Jesse record is just it's just like a masterpiece. So like yeah. get coming on board for album two was super exciting because it was like 
you know, the, the, the gates were open, you know, so I was just super fortunate that Kojo had kind of obviously been taken up, put onto that gig and, and had thought that I was the right person to do it. And, and that kind of changed my life really and changed the, the trajectory of, of, of my path, you know, and, um, yeah, so that was one of them weird ones where, you know, if I hadn't have done, you know, the Dennis gig, like I hadn't have been linked in with all those people, which meant that I ended up meeting James Awai, who put me in with Kojo. And then, you know, so it, it, it's it's funny, you know, I always just think, I, I always try to think that, you know, you get so much disappointment or what feels like disappointment in, in, in the journey and, and in this industry. And like, whenever I look back a lot of the time, it's like, you know what, that, all happened for the right reason, you know, and without that, without that, that wouldn't have happened. And um, so, yeah, try and just like... It's all about, yeah, it, was, it seems like it all sort of worked out, you know, the, the whole pathway sort of led, had a, had a sort of a, a place it was leading to. That's really cool. So what were those gigs like? Do you remember, do you remember your first rehearsal? Because obviously that was like probably a step up from anything you'd done before. Yeah, Do you remember being exactly. really nervous? Was that, was that, was did nerves come into it? Or were, you, were there people in the band you knew? Well, you know what? It was interesting actually, because I'd done... Part of it was, right, I'd heard that Kojo was like a, a monster on uh, programming, you know, almost like I was almost like warned, you know, it was like, and of course, but at this point, I didn't have any gear, man. Like, I didn't have a Nord, you know, like, so I was like, right, I need to, I need to buy a Nord. <laughs> like, I need to buy like a proper, I need to get some some gear. Um, and um, and the key thing, and also Jesse's music was was really like, synth heavy there was some some cool stuff in it you know it wasn't just like stick a string pad and, and a piano layer on and, and you're good to go this was like roll your sleeves up vibes but um so luckily it, I, I just got my Nord and like and I really shed it basically I absolutely like my wife used to like have to leave the house because I'd be like programming like hitting middle C like tweaking the envelope on the filter until she would literally go insane but like <laughs> The sounds, the sounds were perfect because there was no way I was yeah. going to go into that room like without the sounds being perfect. A, because I, I, I that's kind of my vibe anyway, but B, because this was my first thing with Kojo and C, because like I was told that Kojo was like a connoisseur in terms of right. programming and synth programming. So it's like, I'm not going to walk into this room with this guy uh, you know, uh, with some half-baked patches and get absolutely rinsed in front of a room full of people. I just wasn't doing it. So I was yeah. just like, look, I'm going to do the homework. So actually coming into the rehearsal, I felt pretty good, but purely because I'd, I'd done my homework, you know, I'd really done the homework. And I knew from a jazz background and from a classical background that I knew that I could I could play things under my fingers. I knew that my ears had gotten to a point where I could also respond if I needed to so I felt kind of quietly confident but mainly because I'd I'd put the friggin work in man yeah you know, you've done it yeah I, yeah yeah so that that was kind of it but yeah the rehearsals were cool you know it was again a first experience of like doing things properly to click and and on ears um you know and so just for anyone who's just for anyone who's listening what when you say the when the the gig is on click what does that exactly mean um, so I guess this, the, 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 the simplest way to think about it is, is you know, when you're listening to a, a record, you know, on Spotify or, what, or, or whatever, other streaming platforms are available <laughs> to, um, uh, you know, you, what you're hearing is obviously every every component from, you know, that's been recorded separately. Now, that might be 100 channels. Of course, you're not going to be able to recreate all of those 100 sounds live on the fly. So what 90 plus percent of of pop artists do anyway and probably all others as well is play to um a track um and obviously in order to be able to sync up perfectly with that track um there's a there's a click track that runs alongside that that is dialed in just into your headphone uh, monitors obviously so that the, 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 the crowd aren't listening to a big metronome doing their show um you know and that enables you to you know, to to play alongside, you know, it might be backing vocalists, you know, budgets and things these days, you know, labels don't want to pay for three BVs, unfortunately. So, you know, that stuff like that, you know, you just have a lead vocal on its own. It does, doesn't sound like the record. It sounds a bit thin and a bit, a bit exposed. So, you know, BVs, you know, if there's any kind of thick strings or, or even any kind of mad, you know, sound designy stuff that is just actually not possible to create live, you know, it might've been, 
some dude in a studio like going crazy with a space echo or whatever, you know, whatever it is. So I guess any any sounds that aren't, you know, necessarily obviously recreatable in a live setting would be put on the track, which sort of supplements, hopefully supplements. Some MDs lean on it a little bit too much and it sometimes feels like you're listening to like 80% track and you can just about hear the band. But that's a tasting. But yeah, you know, luckily for me, Jessie was very much uh, alive. She wasn't like a play to the track. She was like, let's make music. She's a musician, you know. She's she's an incredible um, musician. And the, the best thing I learned about her was like, she's also got amazing taste and she's no bullshit, you know. So like, she would literally come over my shoulder and I'd play something and she'd be like, yeah, don't play that, babe. That's shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. thanks, Jess. Yeah. Uh, but it was great, you know, because... That there's like you don't learn anything if everybody's just telling you what you want to hear, man. Like the the only way you get better is is by you know by changing and and tweaking and and improving. Proper things, feedback, you know? yeah. People saying what yeah, they like and what they don't feedback, like. Yeah. yeah, and you know we're all grown ups, man. Like you know there's no need for it. We can you know and like like I say, she would always you know say it in a in that in that lovely like charming but like kicking the nuts kind of way but it was just funny you know and 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 as I say you know it wasn't like I'd far rather that than her kind of or whoever the artist is then come out of the room and speak to the MD and be like yeah I'm not sure about that keyboard player yeah Do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. it's like give me a chance to you know if it's all subjective if this might be a vibe to me but if it's not a vibe to you that's cool like we like different things tell me what you want it's your show I'll do what you want you know yeah so um so yeah it was good I, I learned so much and yeah, like the click thing, you know, is is just super commonplace now. So I would say to anybody, you know, that is wanting to to do that, that is absolutely, you know, um, kind of, you won't, if you, that's a, a non-negotiable, I would say, in terms of, you know, performing in, in the pop industry, at least, is just to, you know, be comfortable um, with playing alongside, you know, a click and track. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. but... Oh man, that sounds yeah, man. cool. I mean, did you? Because uh, obviously, since then you've got, and pres- presumably on that gig you were, you were playing, but you, and you weren't MDing. Exactly. So how did you? Because I, uh, for anyone listening, yeah, Mitch has just worked with so many different people: Ed Sheeran, Ella Henderson, Mahalia, all these different people. How have you moved into the more MDing kind of role with some of the people you play with? How did that kind of happen? Yeah, you know what? I guess. Um... I suppose it's a weird one, really. I I suppose it's just the sort of passage of time almost more than anything, you know, and like a trust thing. Like I, I, I helped out with some of the MD in on, on Jesse's third album. And it just kind of came about in that sense that it was like, I think the, the, the person who was MD in previously wasn't going to be doing it going forward, you know, and there was like a trust there, you know, it was that we'd worked and, and, and that, you know, I had, I had an experience of, of how the show ran and it, it made sense, you know, that, that I'd be able to kind of wear that hat, you know? And then of course, once you've done that, it's like anything. It's like, as soon as I started doing the Jesse gig, you know, I got a good relationship going with Kojo. Fortunately, he, I, because I'd gone in and, and done my homework, he was kind of really happy and was like, wow, that, that, that yeah. sounds, that, that sounds you great. You know? And like, yeah. yeah. And as a, as an MD, like you want as many people in your phone book as, as you can get mm. that, you know, we're going to do a great job because it just makes your life easier, you know, and, and invariably like what often happens and this happens a lot, um, you know, across the board is that, you know, a, an MD will, will find a, a sort of team that they love that, that they know they can depend on and rely upon to deliver and execute. Of course, they're going to use those people for everything. Why wouldn't they? Like you're going to put your best, team on the pitch if you've got the opportunity yeah. to and if you if you have to win the game so if you can go in and and you can make a really positive impression on somebody because I, I literally remember in that week where I was doing Jesse rehearsals Kojo like put me on a on an Ella Henderson thing that week and I remember being like oh man that's great but um I was like and I, I didn't even know how the mechanics of things were working yet like there was gear being picked up and taken on a tour bus and gone there. I was like man I'm not gonna have a annoyed and Kojo was like this is not my problem like figure it out do you know what I mean he was like he was like I'd have two nords I'm like dude 
Like <laughs> I just put three grand on the credit card for the first one. I'm like, I can't have two notes right now. Yeah. But but it was just funny. Like you know, he was just like, man, you know, get, have the stuff because the work will come. You know, and, but but I could see that in that instance, all that it was was like I'd gone in, I'd kind of spent ten days at the joint with Kojo. You know, he'd kind of I guess assessed what I was capable of and felt that he could trust me and therefore and something came up he was like do you want to do this it's yeah. like yeah great you know and of course i'm saying yes 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 because because you know i'm trying to trying to climb the ladder as it were um so yeah i guess you know it, it's it's trust you know and, and 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 the md thing is kind of similar really it's like once if you can get in somewhere and do a decent job you know and 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 be dependable then yeah. then then quickly other opportunities will prevent, yeah, present themselves, yeah. Hi, it's Adam here. I just want to quickly interrupt the podcast to ask you a very small favor. If you're getting lots of value from these conversations and want to stay up to date with all our latest episodes, please do subscribe to The Keys Coach wherever you get your podcasts. This means that you can continue to hear these great conversations and you'll be notified each time a new episode comes out. And if you're feeling even more generous, please do consider leaving us a review. This helps others to discover the podcast and join this community. Thank you so much for your support. Hit that subscribe button. Let's get back to the conversation. I mean, I mean, obviously, so an MD is a musical director. And I mean, I imagine that encompasses a huge amount of different things. Can you just talk to the people listening? What exactly is the role of a musical director with someone like Jesse Ware or with, with all these artists? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's an interesting one, but um, like you say, it does absolutely cross lots of, I guess there are lots of different skill sets needed, but I guess to touch on them all separately, I guess, because we've discussed it a little bit already, playback, which is the, you know, the term for like the backing track that is being played alongside um, so you produce to, that yourself essentially yeah so i you'll get delivered all of the stems from the record from the record label so you know what i've got like jesse's album all as separate stems you know so when i go into a room with a with a band or, or a project to to do it, i very much do it in like a, a subtractive way so i'll look at all of them stems and then i'll say like right what have I got in the room? You know, I don't want to duplicate anything. Do you know what I mean? I'm like looking at the kick drum stem. I'm like, well, I've got a kick drum. I've got I've got full drums. So if I've got full drums on the stems, I'll probably take those away. Okay, there's like a tambourine loop. Right, well, am I going to ask my drummer to shake a tambourine while he's playing? <laughs> probably not because it's been to the detriment of the feel and groove of yeah. his playing. So I might just tuck the tambourine in sort of subtly on on there if it's really kind of contributing to the like the, the tone and the and the color of the groove and the and, and the feel or, or or the sound of the record then it's like right what have we got okay bass what's this okay is it electric bass no it's synth bass okay now i might be saying to my 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 bass player have you programmed a sound for this like what synth have you what synth bass have you got can i hear your sound can we a b it with the stem that i've got right that's not quite right can we tweak that sound a little bit i might send that stem to the bass player and say, right, get in your headphones, make that sound a little bit closer to the record. Right, guitars, what have we got? You know, and I'll just go around like that. Keys World obviously is is one where it can take a little bit longer because, of course, synths and, you know, the, the variation in what that can sound like is sort of infinite, really. You know, like on the simplest, you might have a piano or you might have a, a Rhodes or an organ or a pad. But, you know, Christ, you, you can go... Endless. Yeah, it's, it's endless. So, you know, again, that's why I wanted to come into that first Jesse rehearsal with my ducks lined up. Because also, I don't know about you, but like, I never want to be that guy that's like under pressure programming on the fly in a room with a whole rehearsal sat around waiting for me to get it and I'm not getting it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and equally, the more homework that I'd done, what I, what I was doing was getting better at programming. So then in those moments where I was like, Hey man, can you like, cause things happen in a rehearsal. Things come to light. We need this. Can you get me one of these? Yeah. That's just like two detuned saw waves, an octave apart with a filter there with a little bit of an envelope and a little bit of whatever, like delay. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's for me, like sonic things like that. It's, it's like anything. It's like when people say 
like, how do you know that that chord is that chord? It's like, well, how do you know that that, that color is green? Do you know what I mean? That looks like that. That sounds like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like with programming, it's the same. It's like, what's that kind of bendy wide sound? Oh, that's detuned oscillators. Do you know what I mean? What's that spacey sound? That's reverb. That's you know what I mean? And 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 of course, you know, there's there's a there's more straightforward beginnery bits and there's more intermediate and there's advanced things. But I think you just got to treat them in the same way as you treat recognizing what an altered chord sounds like or what what a major or a minor chord sounds like. Well, that's what pitch modulation sounds like. Ooh, it sounds like a ooh, ooh. It sounds like a little punch at the beginning of the note. You know, that's what a fast attack sounds like. That's what a long decay sounds like. It they're just sounds, and all we're doing in our brain is trying to, I guess, compartmentalize them so that we can then recall them at, a, at, a, at another time when we need to. Um. So yeah. So it'll go into keys world. Sorry, I've gone off on a on a bit of a tangent now with programming, but yeah, no, it's so important. Into, that's I mean, that's um, obviously a massive part of it as a keys player is to get be, yeah. be on top of your sounds because I think sometimes. Sometimes that can be overlooked and it was probably overlooked yeah. a little bit when you were learning as well. I'm not sure many people would have spoken about it like in the classical world or in the jazz world and suddenly you had to get all these skills together. So it's a really big part of what you do now that you had to get together quite quickly, I imagine. So what else yeah. does a musical th musical director kind of uh, do a, a, aside from the track and managing that side of it and the sound? Yeah, so I guess when you're in a position where you're feeling like, right, we've got everything, you know, at that point, obviously I would make sure that that what is on the actual stems has been taken away um, so that, you know, my guitarist's not playing that sick guitar part with listening to the other one going over the top of him. Right. And of course that for everything else. So you kind of got to do that housekeeping aspect of it where everything slots together nicely, like a jigsaw puzzle, basically. Um, then you're kind of dealing with arrangement, you know, like uh, ultimately, you know, you're creating, um, you know, an, a, an event, you know, a moment in a show. And and I guess, you know, you've got to look at it like macro and you've got to look at it micro. So, you know, the song itself, you know, the flow of things, sometimes things stay as a record, you know, that's what's required. And that's the, that's the, the best incarnation of, of that. And it, it depends on where it is, you know, um, sometimes, you know, you want to really draw things out, you know? It, so I guess, you know, does a song have an intro? Does the song have, um, you know, uh, an extended drop down middle eight where the where the where the the crowd are clapping and does it have a build and does it yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a false like for me that's the stuff I love because it's like that's where you can really have fun with it you know like the is show. there a moment where yeah. yeah you know are there moments where there's like a an implied like rhythmic punch on the track that would have probably been a little bit indulgent to do that and produce it on the record but the whole band when they're playing it live really come together and punch that, you know, and, and and make it more of an event. You know, I think for me, and it's all taste, for me personally, you know, a live performance experience, you should be, or not should, I, I want to get something that I don't get from the record, you know. I, I don't just want to go to a show and hear the record as the record. Mm. You know, it's like, give me the record, but plus, you know, a live performance, you know, give me some arrangement stuff. And I feel like the Americans are just so good at that. Um, just, I, I, you know, I don't know whether it's confidence or, you know, but um, I guess you've kind of got to be a little bit indulgent. That's the thing with being British. I think, you know, by nature, it's sort of like diametrically opposed to just our vibe, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Um, so I think it kind of bleeds into music. So, yeah, as an MD, like for me, I always... I always just try and really have fun with that stuff, you know? And like, I love show intros because I'm a producer too. Like, you know... I'll create a show intro that, you know, is kind of quite sound design -y. Like it can be anything. It can be like, it can be, you know, like drones. It can be like, you know, it could be anything, you know, and it can be kind of derivative of the record that it's going to start the song or it can be not, you know, transitions between songs, all that stuff that creates tension, I guess, like anything in music, it's all about like tension and release. And if you can create tension in that live show, maybe by like doing a drop chorus when on the record it goes to a full chorus, you're going to take everyone's breath away in the room because they're going to about to jump out of their seats for what they think is going to be the big final chorus. And you've like pulled everything away and left it, you know, that's where I think you can really have fun. And I think you can give somebody like an experience, you know? So I think that's also a, a really important part of, um, you know, of the, of the MD role, I guess, is having that creativity, you know, and, and knowing when, you know, enough is enough and too much is too much and, and, and what that, where that sweet spot is. Um, 
Do you find so, yeah. that the artists get quite involved in that process as well? Or are you kind of, with some artists, have you been given kind of like carte blanche or have some artists been like, no, I want this. And you've had to kind of work around what they want. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an artist on artist basis. You know, some, some people really want to say, go and do your thing, you know? And of course they may have notes, but, but are very much saying like, but I guess it depends on, you know, they might just really love what you do, you know, and your, your sort of, your tastes might be quite aligned, you know, in which case that's great. You know, it's good that you're, you guys are working together because that's obviously the, the best situation. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, you're going to do a thing that you just, you know, when you do something that you just know they're going to love, you know, it's like, I know what you're into and you're going to love this. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and I guess actually one thing I haven't mentioned about the MD and role, actually, I kind of briefly touched on it earlier when I was talking a little bit about Kojo is like, actually, it's like a Quincy Jones thing. Where he's, I think he says about like a, produ- a producer is like, you know, most important tool is his uh, address book, you know, and it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. if, uh, the, a, an MD is only as good as like the, the, the musicians he can put on the gig, man. You know, if, 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 if you're going to, if you can book some, some absolute monster players, like, you've kind of you've already won you're halfway there you know yeah um so i think i think having a network of you know reliable dependable beastly musicians is obviously going to put you in a really good position yeah because it also just makes your job easier when you're in there so that when you want to explore you know those ideas you can do so quickly which is you know always like speed is 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 the like biggest sort of obstacle to creativity, you know, like mm. if I've got an idea, I want to be like, right, let's hit the two there. Don't come in on the one, do like a fill, you know, and I want the drummer to just play it. And the more you work with someone, they get to know, you know, I want them to play it like, just like it's come out of my head. And some drummers will do that, you know, yeah. and some, some bass players will play it before I've even, even better, you know, like I've, it's like you have an idea and actually then they do it and you're like, yeah, you just did exactly what I wanted, but even better. Like, yeah. you know, so I think, you know, if you can create a network of people that are not only great, but that you have like a really good, like creative synergy with, then like in the room, it's just, it's both musically great and fun and, and exciting, you know? So, um, so I think, yeah, the whole phone book thing is, is definitely uh, an important one as well. And I imagine after each gig, do you have like a moment where you go backstage with the band and you say, right, this was great. I think we can do that. Is there like a sort of post-match kind of a... Uh... Kind of, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely a, fa- a fan of that, you know, I, I think, yeah, and it's funny, like, you know, when you do tours and stuff, you know, it's interesting to see how sometimes things actually change on the road, you know, yeah. I'm not like, not drastically, but just like organically. Let's try this, it's almost yeah. Like, yeah, and like, you know, okay, rehearsal's rehearsal, man, like you might be in for 10, 14 days, it seems like a long time, but actually... You know, when you do that first show, you're, it's it's almost like day one, really. Like you've got the show together, but like it's like now everyone starts to actually now that you've decided the parts. Mm. Everyone then starts to like explore those parts and find like the nuances of those parts, and of course how that fits together as a jigsaw puzzle within the band, the ensemble, and then then the real kind of magic kind of starts. You know, and happens, and. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you can't really get that in rehearsal. For me, rehearsal is just about like, let's get let's get to business. Like, what do we need? Have we got everything we need? Right, everyone know what they need to do. The set list, all of the parts. There's a bit of arrangements there. All the sounds are sounding great. All the all the levels are flattened off. That's the boring stuff of 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 MD. And you know, you're basically like a, an engineer as well. You know, I'm sitting in in the in the booth with the sound engineer, being like, right, okay, this song as a whole seems louder than the other right what are the keyboard patches right flatten all the levels of the keyboard patches you know so you're sort of you're trying to mix the show you're trying to yeah it's it's a lot of and play the keys as well (laughs) but yeah yeah, yeah. exactly if you're exactly if you're playing on it as well and yeah then then you really are yeah you're busy exactly um so yeah it's a it's a it's a tricky one but but it's it's a fun one Oh man, it sounds awesome. I mean, you've you've touched on it a little bit already, um, but you've mentioned that you do a huge amount of producing now as well, alongside your live work. You work a lot in the studio. So mm. how did that that world start as well? Because that's a very different type of work, isn't it? Co-writing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, you know what? It's funny, like I, I, I've, I've always done it. It's always something I've been interested in. Um, and I've always made music 
on computers and always like I did like a music tech degree, uh, a level, sorry, a, a school. And yeah. I was always really into like making dance music. Basically, I was used to make like, like electronic, like house music basically through my like late teens and and twenties. And it was just, I guess, something that I did more for, for fun because I was kind of pushing the live thing. Um, and then I guess it, it was hard. It was, it was after probably like, Jesse album two campaign finished. Um, I actually went from like being kind of financially the, the the safest I'd been to actually being like the skintest I'd ever been because all of the contacts that like used to call me all the time didn't call me anymore because for eighteen months every time they called me I'd said sorry I'm I'm away so of course <laughs> they have to find new people and and that's that's totally fine and that's how it works but of course you know Jesse'd stopped so like I didn't have any gigs in the diary. And no one was calling me anymore. So I guess the reason I'm saying this is because I, I that that I learned in that moment that I was just like, um, you know, I don't know whether I'm going to do the touring thing forever because actually it's a it's quite a it's quite a difficult uh, yeah. cycle to navigate and 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 um, and so yeah, so I guess I, I was just really started to try and open doors and 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 push the production, you know, again, man, the whole time, like with the Kojo sounds thing, I'm shedding all the time. I'm like, I'm like learning things. I'm watching tutorials. I'm, I'm producing all the time as much as I can to just, to just, just like hone my skills and craft. Like I did with, you know, playing the piano, you know, it's just the same, same thing, just as different applications. So, um, yeah, I just kind of worked hard at it. Um, and was lucky enough, I guess my sort of break, if you like, in inverted commas, or where I started to get somewhere was um, a good, good, good friend of mine, Mark Crown, who plays with Rudimental, who came to Trinity. Yeah, I know Mark. Know Mark. Yeah. Um, so um, he, I was living in Brighton at the time and the um, the singer uh, and like front guy for Rudy at the time was a guy called Thomas Jules, who's an amazing, amazing singer, um, amazing songwriter, just incredible dude um and and i was living in brighton so mark being the kind dude that he is and the the like socially wanting to connect people was like you got to link up with my my mate tom like he you know and so me and tom started working together uh and we started writing songs and 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 tom was managed at the time by um by oyster management who i'm now managed by and um i guess it was just that um that kind of fortunate situation where like me and Tom had started to, to put bits down right. and, and and we were kind of getting a bit of a vibe together. And then it, his kind of management sort of just turned to him one day and was kind of like, who's, who's producing these things? Like where, where, you know, where are you getting the, this music from? Like, you know, we're, we're interested kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah. And then they, you know, they, we kind of had a sit down and, and, and that was like five years ago now. So, Amazing. so they, they've been looking after me since then. And then of course, you know, when, when you've got sort of that, that kind of in your corner, it, it just, it, it, it accelerates things, you know, um, and, 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 and enables things to, to, you know, they can open doors that is very difficult for, you know, for me to open pr- prior to being, you know, um, represented by them. And, and just purely because they've been in the industry for, for 25 years, you know, like, like, like managing songwriters and managing producers. So, um, um, so yeah, so that was a bit of a, a, a you know a game changer for me, and I'm you know I'm still working with 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 them, and they're amazing, and 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 they you know do such a wicked job of of you know helping me out and and, and linking me up with with different artists and, and different people. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's so it's so interesting. Cause, I mean you've gone on to write with people like Asher Gold, Sophie and the Giants, Purple Disco Machine, Sam Tompkins, all mm. these amazing artists. I think sometimes the songwriting can be quite a mysterious process for some people I think some people sort of like it's almost like you close the door and then people emerge with a song and I don't think it's very you, it's very hard to see people working or get an understanding of how that process works so how, I mean I, I presume that every time you write with someone else it's a very different process and maybe one person brings an idea but how have you found that process of what has worked generally speaking over all your experience yeah you know what it's funny like um I think when you know when you when you're writing music and you're expressing yourself in that way i think that the foundation a lot of the time or what i've found anyway is that there needs to be uh 
not um not even a friendship but like there needs to be a level of comfort socially between the people in the room you know right. um so i think like on that primary level you know people aren't going to be giving you their truest deepest self if they're not feeling mm. comfortable, comfortable to even kind of want to want to hang out with you you know so i think you know that that's quite fundamental and i'm not saying like you know you have to be you know the person's best friend and and and, and but i think you know just a kind of mutual respect and 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 and, and like you know uh, empathy i think right. just lays the foundation because ultimately you know if you're going to be creating something that is you know uh, a, a great song you know whatever that is um you know or has some artistic value or you know or you know a lot of the time that stuff is is linked with tapping into people's sort of emotional um experiences you know and and like you're just not going to you're not going to want to share that that um that part of you with somebody that you're not kind of or you feel in any way disconnected with you know and like there's people that I've you know like the, the Sophie record that's out right now with Purple Disco Machine like we 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 wrote that like the day that we met you know like we all came in there was there was me um and a bunch of guys that you know a bunch of people that we worked together for a while um you know so there was like that amongst most of us other than Sophie we'd worked together a fair bit Okay. And then Sophie just came in and was just, she was just wicked. She was just safe. And like, we just loved her. And, and I think she felt really comfortable with us. And then it was just easy. It was just so easy, you know, like yeah. it just, you know, uh, and of course like that record's not like a deep emotional record. It's, it's more about like empowerment and like celebrating and partying and, and like being your, truest best self you know and and but i think again if she'd have come into that room and been like oh who are these like you <laughs> know these people with the, who are these yeah. three dudes yeah. that yeah. like that, that i've never met before I, I i don't think that she'd have felt like she would have been in a place to explore that so i think i guess what i'm saying is is all of the other stuff that comes later is is obviously super important but i think that stuff is kind of nullified if you don't have that it's crucial um, yeah yeah that foundation which is ultimately it's, it's like it's communication basically like which is what art kind of is as well do you know what i mean mm. it's like ultimately you know art is is going to make you feel something which is like a form of communication and and if if the if the lines of communication in in in, in the in the room are are not open then then you're not going to be you know allowing the the good shit to, to to flow in basically yeah amazing i mean yeah that's so important i think it you're absolutely right if if no one feels comfortable then they're not going to be sharing their sort of best ideas or actually what they want to write about i mean when you when you're writing are you and when you you know when you've kind of you know i guess bonded in whatever way that is do you are you writing at the piano or are you at your laptop like producing a demo what's or does it change yeah, it kind of it kind of changes, but like as a pianist, like I tend to start at, at the piano, um, you know, and like I'll always throw it out to be like, oh, are we cool to start like this, you know? Like, but but um, I'm never gonna like like dial a beat in first, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, if at, if at, at best, like if it's kind of a more like up kind of tempo energy thing, like yeah, I'll maybe put like a skeleton, very basic beat pattern in to that highlights the sort of shape of what we're doing but you know but that's just my my thing but generally yeah it's kind of at the piano and it's also like you know lyrically it's all, also concepty stuff you know like it's depending on whether I'm working with another top liner or whether it's just the artist you know often the conversation will be like you know right what we're we writing about today you know like what what what's been you know what's been like on your mind like what what you know, and sometimes people will dig out things on their phones of like things that kind of maybe had, you know, made them think or, or made them feel a certain way or that something they'd experienced that they felt they wanted to put in their little book of yeah. things to write about. You know, for me, I'm not like personally, I'm I'm not like a, a lyric specialist. 
um, I like to just throw an idea around a room, you know, like I, I'll, that's how I lyric is like, it's just conversation. Like, you know, it's like, we'll talk about a subject and like, I love to talk about it. And, um, and then in the midst of what we're doing, the, the person that is crafting the lyric may well get what they needed or yeah, what they were missing from, from the conversation. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's quite a nice sort of organic way of doing it as opposed to being like, right, what's the third line of this song going to be? You know, what rhymes with, it's just, it just feels a bit like stagnant. I, mm. I just feel like the more kind of, the more sort of natural flow there is. Like the worst for me in, in a session is when you do hit that kind of wall, you know, and it, where everyone's like scratching their head and like, oh, we can't get this, can't get this word for the second verse. Yeah. You know, and the whole like thing grinds to a halt. So I just yeah. think the more you can keep things moving, the Again, I think it just it just enables the creativity to flow a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I try and make sure that I'm in a room where, you know, there are people. You know, I just think don't try and be everything. You know, like like know what you're good at and do the bit that you're good at. You know, and 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 also use people that are masters of what they're good at. You know, like work with work with lyricists that I'm like, oh my god, like. Where did that come from? You know, like I'd never have thought of that in a million years. And it's absolutely like razor sharp, most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Um, but similarly, I'll play like four chords on the piano and they're like, oh, my God, like you just broke my heart. It's like, OK, yeah. great. Like, let's work together. Because yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. need you and you need me. And together, maybe we can make something really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, just know know your strengths, I guess, and play to your strengths and 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 get help like work with people work with great people that you love and share the share the wins like you know i don't want to have a number one record and on my own I, i'd far rather have i'd far rather win with somebody that i that i love yeah. do you know what i mean um so yeah i think um yeah i think that's that's super important as well is and i guess i guess it's an extension of what i was saying about about having that foundation for the whole writing process in the first place and for me, like now I'm getting older, like and my time feels like it's been squeezed, families and whatever. It's just like I also haven't got the patience to to tolerate bullshit, for want of a better word. Like, mm. you know, like any industry, there's a lot of egos, there's a lot of yeah. puffed out chests and a lot of which, in my opinion, usually is 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 insecurity, mm. you know. Um, and but I just haven't got time for that, man. I'm just like, look like we don't need to disrespect no. each other like i know i've worked hard enough to know that i can do what i can do to a level that i don't need to be talked to in any way at all and like let's just be nice man let's just be nice to each other mm. <laughs> so, absolutely so, um, it's so much better so yeah yeah oh man that's great there's, there's so much good advice there i think for anyone wanting to enter enter the music industry i think it's fantastic um what does the kind of future hold for you? Do you think are there things you'd like to do that you haven't done yet, or are there do you, would you like to do more of something? I mean, you've also yeah. got your you've also got your own producing project as well. That's like your house music producing project. I mean, we haven't spoken about that so much, but do you want to develop yeah. that? Yeah, oh, man. You know what? It's it's quite hard. Uh, it changes all the time, even for me. You know, like I think I'm enjoying working with artists at the minute. Like there's there's a there's a branch of kind of the industry that is referred to as like pitch writing where you kind of write and then the songs that you write get get pitched and then get taken by other artists um and like i don't i don't love that process as much just because i quite like i guess maybe it's because of what i was saying before I, I, there's something about for me the the connection with working with the artist and creating something and being together yeah as a group yeah. yeah so um so i guess I've, I've been enjoying doing more of that this year and 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 i feel like it's been yielding you know positive results so i'm gonna just try keep doing that um the solo project things i don't know man like it, it, I, it i'm kind of i'm kind of hot and cold on it i'm, I'm not it was always just a bit of fun anyway you know and i, I don't ever want to be like going out playing shows or anything it was just like it's just it was just an output to be honest because like doing what I do now you make so much music and like there's a really really great um um oh my god what's his name oh man my brain is not working today um amazing producer produced loads of Stormzy Dave stuff um has got a band check him out but he's got an amazing um like little it might be an Instagram thing where he talks about he actually works out like roughly on a on a chart 
like the amount of songs he's written, right. amount of demos, amount of yeah. things. And essentially, and he's obviously super successful. He's probably got, I don't know how many awards. Fraser yeah. T. Smith. There you go. Got it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I remember being so inspired by this video because, I know, to put that out there, to be like, basically, because I think what he said was, I mean, I won't ruin it, but um, there's like, he's got this Michael Jordan picture on his um, on his wall in his studio about like, you know, essentially saying, you know, there's more misses than there are, you know, scores. And um, I guess what I'm saying is like, you end up making so much music and sometimes like you just want it to, if, if it's a thing of it being out or not, you just want it to be out, you know? So I think that's where the house music thing came from is because it was like, you know, you don't want just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of records just sitting on Dropbox, basically. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, you want to be able to put it out there. I mean, yeah. Instagram's great for that, isn't it? You can kind of get stuff out there that isn't necessarily like, you know, may, you know, something that you want to like release as a whole massive kind of campaign, but you just want to exactly. put something out, you know. Exactly, because it's like, yeah, but it's that or it's just sitting, collecting dust on a hard drive and, no one, <laughs> and it'll never do the light of day. And like, yeah. also like, you know, music, like speaks to people you know like, like i've had luckily enough to have a couple of records where like people have actually like reached out and been like oh my god i really needed that like that that's really like helped me mm. and you know so it's just like if your music's not going to help anybody if it's just if it's in the cloud do you know what i mean just get Definitely. it out there man don't be too precious about it we, we put too much expectation on it as well you know just put it out if it flops it flops what's a flop like if it doesn't stream anything who cares it wouldn't have streamed anything at all if it was if it was in the cloud you know so um yeah that's exciting well i'm sure there's going to be loads of amazing stuff you're going to go on to do it sounds like you've got so much stuff sort of so many different avenues to being a musician you know it's not just it's not just sitting behind the piano you've got all of these different things you do and i think that's one of been one of the great things this conversation is like people can understand actually the breadth of where learning piano and learning keys can take you and right, the different people right. you've gone on to work with and the different projects you've done. I think that's just a great example of that. So oh, yeah, cheers, man. Mitch, man, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on and um, I can't wait yeah. to see what you're going to do. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers for having us on. Yeah. Thanks so much to Mitch for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to him. I mean, that interview was just packed with so much incredible advice for anyone looking to enter the industry. I've put a link to Mitch's Instagram down in the episode description, so do go and check out all of his music. We have lots of exciting content coming up for you, so do remember to go and sign up to the Keys Coach waitlist, and you'll be the first to know when new content is released. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.